0: Welcome to another episode of Conversation with a Chef. I'm Jo Ritty and I love sharing with you the conversations I get to have with talented and passionate chefs. It's the backstory, if you will, to the food they're putting up. I begin today by acknowledging the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional custodians of the land where this conversation takes place, and I pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Today I'm chatting to Eska Koo, Esker is a rising star, although he doesn't really know what to do with such accolades and the press coverage he's been receiving since he stepped into the head chef role at Miss Me in the Mervynpick Hotel. Esker is humble and self-aware, and he never imagined that he'd be where he is now. He just really loves cooking and wants to share through his food happiness, as well as memories and the things he's learned along the way about his homeland, Borneo. He also wants to be a role model and inspiration for other immigrants, doing it tough and wondering when they will really get to call Australia home. Esker arrived in Perth at the age of 15 with dreams of becoming a soccer star. Due to various visa demands and life that happened along the way, he started working in kitchens and discovered a passion for cooking. When I contacted Esker through his Instagram account, at Foodtureproof to see whether he wanted to be part of conversation with a chef, he responded so warmly and openly, and in our various exchanges, I felt as though I'd made a friend. I couldn't wait to talk to him. And to be honest, <laughs> I could have talked to him all day. Esker, whose actual name is Carr, But he goes by the nickname Esker, meaning bait or lure, which was given to him in an Italian restaurant where he was lured back time after time to work in return, not for wages, but for pizza and pasta. Well, Esker pretty much just started talking as soon as we sat down, and I really loved that. We talked about his own journey to where he is now, toxicity in the kitchen, the future of food, and his desire for change in the industry. Esker was honest and articulate and very generous with what he shared. And I feel richer for having spoken to him.
1: Oh, yeah. nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Um, what do you want to see? Do you want to see over there? Maybe, Maybe
0: around
1: there. Yeah. If it's okay. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Thanks so I've been in.
0: listening to podcasts about you.
1: Oh, I've been listening to your show, which is quite um, quite retro, I think. Yeah, the, the music and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: yeah. This um, quite retro. It's very low, fi
1: Yeah. No, it's really nice.
0: Um, I'm more about the content than about the
1: technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, a, aspects, such a busy, busy woman, so... Yeah, yeah right.
0: <laughs> you're yeah. You're everywhere. No. I just, now I, I feel like I'm speaking to someone really famous, because now no, like, I not... listen to Danny Vallant, and then yeah, um, Kylie's Travelling Senior at the scene. Yeah, that she's, was yeah
1: she's really nice here. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know, Joel. Like, it's just... Uh, in May, it was, like, not the situation. Oh, like, no, I know. In May, I was just a chef, like, cooking and... I was going to join like society and I had like wine bars to choose from, but it was COVID times like yeah, yeah like like in when I was at Long Grain I, I already had the idea of going to uh, Peru yeah. or Brazil or something like that because like I come from an island yes. which I didn't really realize how beautiful it was until I became a chef yeah. and I was like because there's like all these like um, famous chefs obviously like Alex Atala and like Raheo Martinez and all the other hosts of Mexican Peru, they also have like this Amazon, this rainforest, this this island and like I guess they were like shining the map, shining the food on the map or the map on the food together so I was really intrigued so that's why I wanted to go and see how they think and why they do things because like the, the place I'm coming from, Borneo, like there's so much tribes and like so much flora and fauna and like I've always been fascinated when, whenever I see like David Attenborough like talk about Borneo yeah you know, exactly I was, yeah he talks about it so much but it's obviously it's about the, the animals and the, the logging or the palms and the, the orangutans not having trees to live with well, I have and, to
0: admit that's when people say Borneo yeah. that's what
1: comes to mind yeah yeah
0: it's deforestation and palm yeah. oil and yeah, orangutans exactly.
1: yeah but and Reflecia flower, one of the, the, the craziest flowers ever. Um, but I guess, like, I also like, I'm from there, and I grew up as a like Malaysian Chinese teenager, you know, like, I'm trying to learn about the Western culture, and I've been taught about a lot of things uh, in my career and in life, but no one has ever taught me about things to, like from Borneo, yeah. like, besides David Adam. like, so. I feel like maybe I have a mission to sort of celebrate Borneo. Yeah. And just like how um, the restaurants in Peru are or in Brazil or something like that, you know, they actually use their ingredients. Uh, Working with time and place and sort of like traditions and history and why does this dish, why do they eat sago puree? Like, Yeah, yeah, like they, the way, because like when they had a lot of sago, tapioca they turn it into like this porridge Mm -hmm. and they would like use sticks to like sort of like pull it up it's really interesting but they'll use it they'll get they'll get like chopsticks they'll pull it up and then they'll cut it somehow with a scissor and then they'll dip it in like sambals and sauces so I guess like they were just trying to survive with with oh. everything, every resource that they have. And
0: is it grown there? Yeah, that's yeah. grown there. Everything's yeah. grown
1: there. They don't they don't have the capacity to import or like yeah wow. whatever. So, and they are also also natural foragers as well. And yeah, just really interesting. Yeah, and
0: I, and the fermentation was a big thing as well. Yeah, like,
1: exactly. They're... Yeah, they, like, I don't think they even know how to ferment. Like because I I when I went to Borneo, I um I asked them like how does the fermentation work? How do you make tapai? Tapai is like an indigenous rice wine. I feel like everyone has their own rice wine. Yeah. Like, Korea has their own rice wine. Japan does. Vietnam. Moonshine, whatever you want to call it. But, like, I asked them, like, what is the fermentation process? They basically told me, like, they gave me, like, this, this chain of, like, yeast, which is sort of, like, such aromasis. Like, it's the same type of yeast that ferments starch, I guess. You know, like in beer and in sake it's like a cross of those two in that category but they say they cook the rice they boil it they bless it they put it in the earthenware, and, and then hope for the best
0: right. you
1: know so that's usually what the answer is um
0: and probably because that's why it's always been done yeah yeah so. exactly
1: yeah, exactly and then like i'm amazed that we have a lot of like wild bees you know like the the, the honey there is like wild and like sour like ferment fermented almost and like, they have excessive fish that they ferment, but they don't turn into fish sauce. They ferment the fish and then they eat the fish. Okay. So it's almost like hearing, hearing as well, like, you know, in Scandinavia. And then durian as well, they ferment, which is like, I don't know why <laughs> would you do that? Because it's very stinky. Yeah, yeah. Still, I still don't know why. So I'm still trying to search for it and understand, I guess. Does know.
0: it? I suppose it prolongs its life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, I
1: guess like these things are like abundance, right? Like like, so much fish or so much durian and stuff So trying to like rediscover my roots, you know, and growing up as a chef, uh, coming to Australia thinking I would be like a soccer player, trying to escape, trying to call and then fell in love with Australia. Um, Wanted to call it home. But I had difficulties because I wouldn't be able to get my hours working as a chef because I get rejected
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so it was hard so I had to sell my soul to the devil so I had to work in factories and catering just to build up the hours and this constant fight of like against this odds like getting this visa like because residency was like really hard to get Mm. and you had to fork out a lot of money and you had to be really good in English and the English just was difficult it was really expensive and then not only that you had to have a lot of work hours yeah and you have to have been in Australia for long enough and been a chef for longer than three years and um so a lot of difficulties in that and then and then yeah, and then I was learning a lot about Spanish, French, Italian, American, all sorts of food. But I never learned about the, the food from my area. No. So yeah so, so in the
0: food that your mother cooks, yeah, is it food. From it's your very area?
1: mixed. No. Very even mixed. even she even her food is very like you know, it's like it's almost like You've been in Australia for a long time, but you don't really cook with indigenous food. No. Something like, yeah, You cook pretty simple, like, Aussie favourites, right? So, like, she would cook, like, favourites of, like, a Malaysian-Chinese family, I guess. Yeah,
0: Yeah, that's a, that is, no, that's no, and that's really valid.
1: I'm, yeah. I'm actually from New Zealand. So oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, New Zealand. <laughs> However, well, half I do, I,
0: and half French.
1: Yeah, I'm half French. Really... Pavlova, I'm, which I one?
0: pretend I'm half French.
1: Yeah, yeah like, Pavlova, here or there? <laughs> Australia or New Zealand? In a yeah.
0: I have lived here for 10 years. Though. Yeah, so yeah. half. You're... So you've, you've lived here um, for longer than me, though.
1: Ooh, cause yeah, you're right.
0: Because you, you came when you were 15, isn't right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's incredible. I like, know. Yeah. So, you, so I was looking at your Instagram, and you're, <laughs> up the top of it in your profile, you've got perseverance, resilience, belief, courage, and kindness. Yeah. And as I listened to um, your chat with Kylie, the travelling senior yeah, that was very in-depth, and um, I was yeah. listening to all of your stories, and I thought, yep, that's absolutely all those words. Yeah.
1: That's your life. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I try to look for, like, the words that sort of match my... match what I have done in the past summary, basically, and, like, that was the max I can think about, you know. I'm sure there's a lot of, like, happiness and stuff like that, but I think these are, like, the key things that really uh, factor in, like, I, I really factor in, and that I feel like it's very significant. Yeah, so
0: you probably don't have time to watch tv shows but when i was listening to this this conversation it yeah. reminded me of ted lasso The um ted lasso can you oh, watch that no, it's about an american yet. um gridiron coach who goes to england to coach a soccer team so there's heaps of soccer in it yeah but he puts a big sign up above in the changing room saying yeah. belief oh
1: wow. and it's very
0: much a show about um about kindness yeah and He's a lovely character, yeah. and you know they're all kind of thinking this American won't be able to. But when you were talking about all of the things that you've had to go through, I was yeah. thinking, well, you yes, you know belief is such a an important thing mm-hmm. to have in your um, on your origin, yeah, yeah. yourself, and yeah, people exactly, around you. Yeah. And,
1: um, and it was it wasn't always it wasn't easy to always use this word belief. Like right. a lot of times, I believe I could do it, um, and things don't always happen. Things things don't always work out. Um, but you just you just gotta keep telling yourself and sometimes like I believe in it like it's enough to say I believe in it but you just don't think about it and you just gotta like you you have to imagine you doing it like achieving it like like I like the first time I got the permanent residency or the first time I came to Australia or the first time I was on a plane or the first time I was on a podcast or the first time I was a hatcher like all this like I never imagined like it. I've never been like okay in five years I will be a hedgehog or in four years I will be you know I never it's like I try I just try and like I hope it happens but if it doesn't but I don't think about like it's not it doesn't happen like I try to always imagine that it, it can happen I don't know when I don't know how I don't know I hope so, but I imagine a lot of things, so, um, yeah, but this, whatever happened just just recently, like, I've never imagined that, to be honest with you, like, I didn't think that would happen, like, it's something I never have actually imagined, like, it's really hard to process, I just don't understand.
0: Well, I know, you have suddenly shot to the spotlight, it's hard to process. Yeah, because,
1: like, I I just don't understand, I don't know how, how, why, like,
0: so you were at dinner, Captain, yes. yes. and Noma,
1: yes. Uh, and then, and
0: you had a head chef role before? Never. No, no. So what? We...
1: Actually, this role, this role, I'm gonna mean, be honest with you. I didn't apply for a head chef role. I actually didn't. Um, I applied for a sous chef role yep. because I believe in building the the blocks. Yeah. So I've actually never been a sous chef. No. Nor have I ever been a head chef nor have I ever been an executive chef. <laughs> but what I do know is I like cooking.
0: Yes.
1: And I guess like when I applied to this job, um, it was um, it was an opportunity to cook Asian food. Yeah. Um, that's why I applied for it. Um, and the, the exec chef, his name is Darren. Um, so he usually is hotel background. Um, so he said to me like, ask we're gonna be cooking Asian food, and we're gonna be cooking um, a host of food from around Asia. And that was actually my vision one day to cook and celebrate Asian food because yeah. I did a trip in two thousand nineteen where I went around Asia. I spent all my savings on that trip to research. Um, I went on to um, a trip with the Sea Gypsies, um, Yangon, uh, Philippines. The the even like in Philippines like the the scariest parts of philippines like where people get shot like but i was just looking for lechon
0: like david yourself. yeah yeah
1: i was just looking for like suckling pig yeah but i didn't know it was like one of the most dangerous area wow um to yeah to there's a couple of places i didn't visit such as china and 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 india and but i just ran out of money yeah, yeah. but usually this is what i do i usually like save up a lot of money for the purpose of learning or understanding, or experiencing. Usually, this free I do. For example, like my my exchanges of like stagiaires, like stints at restaurants. A lot of people might say, "Oh, you're just trying to chase the name and stuff like that." Yeah, look, working at a place like that, it's it is a pretty big name. But I guess like I have a sacrifice too. I'm sacrificing my own. Like hard work, hard work earned money to like learn. Like yeah. I just want to understand like why they're like one of the best, or why they do what they do, and what kind of food they're creating. You know, because like to be a great chef, you can't just work at fine dining restaurants. You got to work at a lot of like crappy or very difficult to operate restaurants too, yeah. right? Um, so I've sort of worked at a host of these places and yeah burgers yeah yeah, burgers yeah burgers American Italian
0: where you weren't paid yeah you were paid paid in food food, yeah
1: (laughs) um pizza catering uh breakfast pub cafe uh wine bar uh restaurants casual fine pop-ups in trams with a chef Peter Gunn from AIDS yeah I love that
0: um
1: and and yeah it's been it's been a it's been a journey but yeah like um I just want to learn and have delicious food. And so that's is all. that what
0: you said in your interview to be sous chef? And they just said, "Okay, you just yeah,
1: I just make I wa- head chef. Yeah, no, because that's the thing. When the chef, when the chef was like, "I want you to own the menu," I said, "So you want me to create the menu?" Um, and I was, I was like, "All right, I'll try." <laughs> and then. Uh, I basically just cooked with a lot of memories and because we don't really have much staff in the kitchen, so I had to think quick and think efficient, right? So basically I just made food that was something that I'm familiar with and, and something that's, that I, I can remember, memorable. Memorable experiences like travel or childhood or working in restaurants, right? Um, and I guess everyone, so everyone just tasted the food and they were like, yeah, this is pretty good. And from then on, I guess, like, they were just, they were like, yeah, it's your food. So I guess we'll call you the head chef. And and I was like, okay, sure. I'm and, the head chef. All right. Yeah, it's, it's,
0: it's more being a head chef. And especially in a hotel than just being able to cook for really good food. Yeah. You've got um, the money side
1: of things. Yeah, labour.
0: Um, uh, yeah, leadership. L- leadership, yeah. Kind of, I mean, how, how have you found those aspects? Or perhaps it's, in a hotel environment is more supportive.
1: Yeah, yeah. I guess, yeah, they, 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 they do have a lot more people with a lot more knowledge and skill here. Um, and, you know, I'm all about learning, absorbing. Like, ever since I was a 15-year-old, I, I still learn. and every day I will learn until the end of my life and and um, I'm taking it all in it's quite overwhelming Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm very grateful that I've done what I've done I've met the people that I've met Um, and I guess in the kitchen side of the thing which is what I normally just do um, the staff like I treat them like my children or my brothers and sisters like I, I treat them how I would like to see the next generation chefs come up which is least toxic uh, less toxic and, and more fun more happy yeah. sometimes because I've been trained in kitchens that are toxic yeah. it is really hard to sort of get away with sort of slight temper tantrums which I'm trying to avoid um, and I don't want in the kitchen um, so I guess I do sort of the Hessian way which is give, give, uh, give valid reason and to Understand what happened and why it happened, analyzing it, and so that we can prevent things from happening and just have a better understanding between each other and what we're trying to do and what we're trying to deliver um, in the end, like with all these things happening, like the most important thing is just that the, the staff are happy, the guests are happy um, and it just it's a circle of life everyone's happy um, and trying to teach them to Trying to teach them in a way that is fine dining without the fine dining, you know. Yeah. Um, make Things that make sense, make sense. Like, I, I can be wrong too. And I tell them, guys, if I don't make sense, please tell me. Because um, we just want to make this work and we just want to have a good time working together. Well,
0: I mean, kitchens are such pressured places. Yeah. You've got deadli- like, the deadline of yeah. getting things out onto the table yeah. and, and all these things are happening at the same yeah. time. It's hot, it's probably... Really cramped. <laughs> yeah, you've got you know, and then you're trying to convey your vision and get that you know everyone doing the same. Thing. Yeah, I think it's um, and then it's your name that's on the menu, so it's, which it doesn't very have stressful. to be. It
1: yeah. is, yeah. And sometimes with COVID now, like, eh, you get a lot of guests that can be unforgivable, unforgiving. Unforgiving. Yeah, and um, t- can be tough. Times are tough, you know. You have uh, demands from the guests, demands from the head of departments. um Demand from All sorts of foodies And yourself too Myself And I'm quite difficult With myself too Everything Every time that I taste Something Whenever I taste something It's never good enough yeah. it's, it's always Sort of the DNA structure Of like A fine dining chef How
0: do you manage things?
1: It's, it's hard um, But I guess Like I go into the components The key factors Which is As long as it's tasty And as long as it's generous um, And th- those two Are the most important thing um, and that's all there is As long as we're learning uh, about the cuisine and growing, and yeah, having fun, I guess that's 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 all it can be. And, and I'm happy with that. I'm content with that. But me as a chef, working with all these like fine dining restaurants, I've learned to never set on just what is there. It's always got. It's always going to be evolving. Just like, just like how food should be. To be honest with you, like Asian food should be reimagined and, and take brought forward to, towards uh, uh, the future, and it all starts with a lot of the chefs here, you know, like, being influenced here, like, we have so much beautiful produce and, and, and meats and, and ingredients with the nature and from the supplier, we should really move forward um, in, in this region, in this world, you know, uh, we should see things like, for example, nasi lemak can be made with sardines instead of anchovies, or we can use hazelnuts instead of peanuts, Maybe a stir-fried dish that's uh, quintessential in China can be made with kale and silver beet instead of uh, bok choy, which is so typical, right? Because but we have a lot of kale and silver beet here, and it's so beautiful. Maybe perhaps you know um, radishes can replace uh, sort of boring cucumbers. You know, I guess yeah. Just using what we have is probably a good way to say it, rather than sticking with. What has always been like that, you know?
0: Yeah, and I guess that um, indigenous people would do that in Borneo as much as they did yeah, here yeah. Um, in Australia. Is that yeah. They didn't ever deplete the stock. No. They, um,
1: yeah, thank you. You. thank you.
0: They they used what was there in yeah. the season, but they never absolutely depleted it. And, then they, yeah. and they seasonally they would move around. Exactly. And different yeah. Things. Yeah. So I exactly. That, that, I think that it must. It has to be the future. That of has food. to be the
1: future. Yeah. yeah. You can't. You can't look at um, a dish and, it, it, and say that's the end of it. Yes, the flavor should be finalized and it should be always nostalgic and, and, um, and yeah. For example, maybe a lechon can, can be served with a different type of vinegar that we have here. It doesn't always have to be coconut vinegar. Yeah. Yes, there's a lot of coconuts in Asia, but here, no, here we have a lot of other ingredients. And yeah. we can turn that into vinegar, you know. Um, so it's all about, like, educating um, each other and learning and growing and just looking at the possibilities of, of everything. And that's how we grow and step forward to the future.
0: And I think that's interesting because as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, um, for a while, fusion has been uh, not a, you know, um, a, a, what, do you call, what do you want to call it? Um, a bad word, like yeah. you know, people will be anti-fusion. And yeah. maybe we shouldn't be looking at it as fusion as such mm. and cultural appropriation all that kind of stuff. But we should be thinking about the future. Yeah, and, just the future of the, food, yeah. future of the food. Yeah, food rather than what. Yeah, uh, you know, Yeah, there's grow.
1: there's a lot of talk about like uh, sustainability and non-waste. Yes, that's that's always going to be there. Or eating more vegetables, but we should also um, grow the cuisine. You know, because. Yeah. That's our job, being in the present moment, like, we have a part to play for the future.
0: So you have your memories and the things you've learned about Borneo, but where else, and obviously your training, um, French and classical training, Yeah. but um, where else do you get your ideas? Are you thinking about food all the time?
1: Yeah, (laughs) all the time, like... I think, I just constantly think about food. Like I think about what to eat now, what to eat later, what I'm gonna eat on the weekend. (laughs) Like it's always been all about food. Um, And I find that food is just the best thing that it's ever been created, like life has ever created. It's something that is so strong, so powerful. Like the fact that I can cook something and make you smile, it speaks so much. Or the fact that one plate of food or a table of food can connect Two different cultures, and they and they barely even speak the same language. It's it's just mind blowing, um, and yeah, I guess like it goes part to it goes it goes way back to when I first saw like the chefs on TV. They were cooking, they were smiling, and that just brought me joy. And and I love food too, and and we connected from there, from the TV screen to to me in Borneo. And they probably filmed it like in UK or somewhere, well, but I- it made me want it to come here. yeah um and, and it, made, it turned out to be a career, you know? Like, I didn't know it was going to be this crazy, like the trainings are toxic and like er, people are like, humiliating you and sabotaging you and calling you names. And I, I wasn't aware of all that, but what I did know was this was my job, my career. I've chosen, I've never gave up on it. I've never thought to be something else. I've never thought it was a job. I just, it's something that I like to do, yeah. basically.
0: That's amazing and I think it's amazing that there's obviously something a great passion there and um, and what you can bring to it that has pulled you through those things. I really hate hearing those stories about the toxicity in kitchens and and, humiliation and all that kind of stuff. I hope it's changing.
1: I I hope so too, but I have a feeling it'll never change. Right.
0: Why is that? Um,
1: because there'll always be chefs coming from there. And if they don't change, it will never change. Yeah. But also, it really depends on us, really. Like, with the new generation chefs that come in, we really have to guide them. We really have to treat them differently and just treat them with respect and, and care and, and, and prof- uh, professionalism. Um, and hopefully, that influences the whole community and, and we never see toxicity. But because of fine dining restaurants and high-end prices and exquisite details and perfection, it will never end. There will always be a demand for high-quality standards. and, And because of this, because of the heat of everything, you'll never see toxicity out of the kitchen, unfortunately. But if you cook relaxed, casual, easy-going food, that doesn't call for perfection, two centimeter sticks of cucumbers or or perfect disc measured in all types of ways and form, then then you'd probably see less less of that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why in the kitchen we don't I don't hire chefs from highly experienced backgrounds. Because I just know that they're gonna bring a touch of ego and toxicity. Which is not good. But then again, you know, um, they need to ask themselves too, like, why are they like that? Because I asked myself the question um, after working at all this like, really, really uh, toxic kitchens, that's the only way to put it. Um, I, I did slap myself in the face. I asked myself, like, why am I talking to people like that? Why am I yelling like that? Or why did they yell, yell at me like that? Um, and I said, I said to myself, like, I wasn't like that before. I was I was a cheerful chap um, that loves working in a team in the form of football like you know, and football is all about team because um, you, you can't achieve the goal without one another, and that was the truth like, i wasn't like that I was influenced like that, so I just told myself, just don't be like that just just be a normal guy cooking food and if something's wrong then let's just talk about it like normal people, like conversation and just understand why it's wrong and what can we do to make it better and, and then move on with it, you know. Yeah. Like yeah. With a lot of love obviously, you know, like it's not it's not it's nothing ever personal. Yeah. But yeah, like kitchens that say they don't have toxicity, it's it's impossible. They're like, unfortunately, that's the truth. Yeah. yeah. Let's lift this a bit. <laughs> tell, yeah, yeah. Tell me about some of the dishes on the menu now. Um, the dishes on the menu were well, well, at the last uh, week of the OG menu, the original menu. So. Wow.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, so
1: basically, it's a mix of like memories and things I've seen, or flavors that I really enjoy eating, um, from my parents, my mm-hmm. family, to other people's family, to to shows on TV, to to experiencing myself. It itself with myself at that moment. Um, things like Tasty Peanuts, when I first had it in Cambodia, um, in the streets in the alleyway, I didn't know what they were doing. They were just tossing peanuts with a beautiful seasoning. I ate it, I fell in love with it, I kept dating it, and and that's one of the, the, the starting snacks that you'll get. Um, basically, I just called it Tasty Peanuts. Um, to dishes like Hinava Borneo, which is something that I don't think anybody has ever seen, but it's very familiar, it's like ceviche, it's like kinilaw, but it all happened because of an abundance of things, right? Abundance of lime, torched ginger, chili, and uh, fish. Um, that is on the menu and just working that with uh, the season, nature, and whatever is beautiful right now in Victoria. And I guess a lot of places in the world, I think they're blinded by what's always been classic. I think they should open their eyes and mind to what's actually beautiful out there. For example, like, you know, the other day, like, in springtime, I was walking around uh, Mary Creek um, during springtime, and there was so much white garlic flowers. Yeah. And I know that it is what it is, but there was people that are asking me, what are you doing? I said, it's the garlic flowers. So instead of buying garlic, you can actually just have garlic flowers to replace the garlic if you can't have if you, do, if you can't access garlic, which I'm sure you can, but it's a added flavor, added component that nature is offering you Yeah. Um, that you just don't realize if you just don't know. So the more people know, the better, um, I guess. And all the dishes here are just reimagined, I guess, reimagined, reinterpreted. It's nothing to do with challenging the classic. I guess it's just trying to show you a different perspective um, and, and an open-mindedness um, towards the quintessential dishes and staples. Yeah. Is it hard to
0: move on to a new menu?
1: It is hard. Yeah. It is hard. But I know that I will always bring it back. Yeah. Like this will always be my repertoire because every dish I try to, um, try to create it with a purpose. Like it has to really merge in and connect with me in, inside. Um, I need to have emotional feelings with the dish. I don't just want to create dishes that are here to either make money or I have to just create it I have to just make a dish up you know I'm, I'm not that kind of person I, I have a, a, a emotional feeling towards the dish whenever I create it so you know that, that's what I'm saying like cooking because the reason why I love this cooking world this cooking thing is because of that it's not because um, well eating too eating is a big part of it I really enjoy eating <laughs> but um, it's another sense to it another another level of Touch and spiritual, spiritually, spirit, spiritually, uh, a form of spiritually factor to it. Spiritual, Spirit yeah, yeah, something spiritual like that, there, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, some 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 way of form like that, you know. So that's that's why that's why I do this.
0: Yeah, yeah. you're very generous with how much you tell us, and I think yeah. I feel really honoured that you oh. that you shared so much no. with me, but. The others as well. I think you've really um, you're, you're very open and um, yeah. and it's amazing. Mm, so. oh,
1: thank you so much. You. I just I hope I can just inspire um, or at least get people to be more open minded about their own cuisine. It doesn't have to be Asian. It yeah. can be anything but luckily Melbourne is doing it um, so well but I also want to help um, the immigrants because yes. I'm a former immigrant and I know how hard it is to get and I just want to tell them like just don't give up just keep going like I I struggled so much I nearly got deported a couple of times numerous times I have so much reason to fail IELTS the English test and um, just keep doing what you're doing and just keep trying um, putting as much effort as you can and if you really vision it it can just happen Um, and that's what I'm trying to do like it's so much all at once just kind of yeah but yeah I, I think I have a responsibility and I think I'm more focused in trying to inspire the immigrants and you know like Australia is a melting pot you know like Australia is just not just one culture it's like it's crazy that you can be in Australia and you have like all 196 nationalities know, or right? countries oh not nationalities countries people yeah. from there coming here yeah. and it's just uh, insane yeah. to have that in a city or a state in Australia, like you know, like so, it's quite quite amazing uh, to be able to call Australia home, to be able to do what I'm doing, to be able to meet the people that I'm meeting right now, to able, to be able to actually cook my own food. Like I've learned all these um, techniques and skills of how to paint other people's picture, and now I guess I have the paint brush now, and I'm painting a big picture, and hopefully it can inspire other people people that want to be chefs, people that are struggling being chefs in their career, in their life with Australian citizenship or permanent residency or visa and um, and telling showing them that hey you you know like if you keep going at it like you can get somewhere with this picture yeah. you know don't 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 leave the industry <laughs> stay well. in the industry Please. I love that,
0: but be gentle on yourself. It can't all fall on your shoulders. Yeah, but um, yeah. I think you are um, a really amazing role model to others. Thanks, so, yeah. um, but, yeah. you know, yeah. make sure
1: you, <laughs> you use your own support. Yeah, I know, right? You, because that's um, yeah. a lot. Yeah, sure, it's been it's been crazy. I just don't know what to say. Uh, yeah. Like, I I never wanted to be a head chef. Like, I, I just wanted to cook food to with yeah. you. Like, um, and if this is my last... You know, like, being a head chef, like, I'll give it a go. Yeah. I'll give it a go. I'll, I'll try. And if it doesn't work out, it's okay. Like, I'll just, I won't force it. Um, if I'm not meant to be a head chef, it's okay. Absolutely. Like, I just...
0: There are many chapters in our books.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't need to be a head chef to be happy. Uh, what, I, what, I, what, I, what I know is I want to cook good food, and I want to make people smile through food. And whatever it is... Um, that's my goal cooking food and making people happy because that's the reason why I did it at the first getting influenced by all these awards and these stars or these top restaurants and all these names like they're just I guess distractions they're not they're not the real reason why everyone did this everyone that's in the food game is because they know how powerful food can be it's not because you can make gels or make aerated chocolate foams or I mean it's really fun but the whole reason why we do it is because like it's, it's, it's just the beautiful world that it is and similar to the beautiful game of soccer and that's why I fell in love with it it's because it's actually so beautiful this food you know like we can eat and talk and, and build relationships build friendships from it you know so absolutely
0: thank you
1: <laughs> thanks Joe
0: <laughs> oh. so much for listening to this episode of Conversation with a Chef with Esker Koo. If you want to experience all his greatness for yourself, which of course you do, you can follow Esker on Instagram at foodshipproof, that's at food, T-U-R-E, proof, and see what he's up to for yourself. As for me, I'm also on Instagram at Conversation with a Chef, and if you want to read the chat, you can head to www.conversationwithachef.com. I'd really love it if you told a friend about my chats and of course you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or click follow on Spotify so I know you're there. Once again thank you have a great day and see you next time.